All right, welcome in. Episode 104, What's Right with Nick Wright. We are live right now on YouTube. Again, if you're watching us on YouTube right now, we greatly appreciate it. Click the bell so you get an update whenever we go live. Subscribe if you're not already subscribing. And tell your friends about it. We're still efforting to get to the 100,000 subscribers. We're just shy of 90,000. It's going to be hard to get to the 100,000 by the end of football season, but that is our stated goal. Also, you can listen to us uh, via any podcasting app that you have. If you can't catch us live on YouTube, subscribe to us there as well. And if you are watching live, you can ask those questions in the chat. We have a ton to do today. Start of the second segment, we will discuss what I assumed, because I'm a naive moron, would be universally praised happy news that Brittany Griner has finally been released from a ridiculous and unjust detention in Russia, but because we are so broken and wrecked as a people. Nothing can be happy news. Everything must be polarizing, controversial, and somebody's fault. So we'll discuss that at the top of the B block. We will do our book club at the top of the C block as we have finished The Little History of the World by E.H. Gombrecht. We'll do that. We'll answer your questions. All of those things to come, plus some breaking news this morning that we will start the show with. But as we always do, let us discuss what is not making today's show, not on today's show, Tua Tungavailoa leading all Pro Bowl voting. Good for him. A few 10,000 more votes, more than my guy Patrick Mahomes. Aaron Judge signing a nine-year, $360 million deal. We're not getting into that on the show because if we got into that, we'd also have to get into that very odd investigation by Insider that explained that there were these Goldilocks balls that were oddly used allegedly during MLB playoff games and then during Yankee home games. Why would baseball want Yankee home games or Yankee games, I should say, to have these perfect baseball stay at home runs? Oh, we won't get into that. And then also the Warriors last night collapsing to the Utah Jazz. Now they didn't have Steph or Wiggins or Draymond, but they did have a four point lead with 13 seconds left. They did have a one-point lead with the ball with six seconds left, and they found a way to lose to the Jazz. They are now 13-13 and on the season. That's not on the show. Demonze, here's what is on the show with some breaking news. Go ahead. On Monday's show, we got some breaking news that Baker had been cut from the Panthers, Mm -hmm. and everybody in the whole world thought that Baker was going to San Francisco. Except. Except for your exceptional producer, our exceptional producer, Matt, who is definitely not a charlatan, mm-hmm. uh, he predicted Baker to L.A. He did. Baker now has a shot. He's to- very. Can I say something real quick? Matt is very proud of this prediction, <laughs> which, by <laughs> the way, yes, everyone did assume instantly he was going to San Francisco. But Matt was not exactly the only person to throw out there. Oh, I do wonder if the Rams to kind of stick it to the Niners and because they have their own quarterbacks and because they have the higher waiver priority might grab him. This wasn't exactly Matt predicting the Powerball numbers. And yet, if you're on our group chat or reading our rundown, you would think that it was, but I will give the man his credit. He deserves it. Good job, Matt Ford. Go ahead, Demonza. Uh, Baker now has a shot to revive his career for the third time, I believe. Uh, Schefter reported that there's a chance that Baker could start tonight if John Wolford mm-hmm. Wolford is hurt. Yeah. Are you ready to reinvest in your Baker stock? 
All right, we can start the clock, and I'll answer the Baker the exact question in a moment. But first, I have to say this part of it about Baker maybe starting tonight. Okay. I want to say something, oddly enough, about Colin Kaepernick. And it is not, oh, why didn't the Rams or the Niners call Cap? Cap was blackballed and was blackballed successfully enough to where even now, if he weren't blackballed anymore, he's been out of the league far too long for any NFL team to want to sign him. I understand that part of it, okay? The reason I'm bringing up Cap is this. Baker Mayfield might start tonight. I can't believe it, but he might start tonight. He met Sean McVay a day and a half ago, and he might start a football game tonight. During the early part of Cap's blackballing, some of the loudest media voices that were promoting themselves as unbiased, no agenda observers. Folks, sometimes I had to argue with on television. One of the arguments they would give as to why a team wouldn't sign Colin Kaepernick was, well, it'll take for anybody two, maybe three weeks before you can put them on the field. Got to learn the offense. Got to learn the playbook. So, yeah, the quarterback's out for a few weeks, but you can't sign Cap because by the time he's up to speed, quarterback will be back. And that was taken as gospel. And it just became accepted. Anyone that knows how the NFL works knows you could never sign that position, a quarterback, off the street and have him play immediately. It's impossible. It's a different language. You got to know the offense. You got to know the language. You got to know the terminology. So it's not that he's being blackballed. It's just that that specific position, you can't do it. And now Baker Mayfield was a Panther on Sunday. He might start for the Rams on Thursday. He didn't officially become a member of the Rams until 4 p.m. Tuesday. We're talking 52 hours after becoming a member of the team might be their starting quarterback. And nobody is, is seems to remember, everyone is memory hold, the nonsense that folks were spouting for a year straight. About, no, 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 yes, obviously. Like, once people came to like, yeah, obviously he's good enough to at least be a backup. And obviously, you know, it wouldn't be that much of a, you know, the controversial within the locker room, the players seemed to like him. And his former coaches said he was a leader and all these things. Everyone settled on the excuse of, but the playbook, (laughs) the offense, it's just, you know, it's unfortunate. If he were a tight end, it'd be different. But that position, you can't do it. Just impossible. And yet we sit here today and Baker Mayfield might start. Okay. Let me hop off my soapbox for a moment. And now talk about if I think Baker is going to, if I'm going to reinvest my Baker stock. I'm not going to reinvest my Baker stock, but what I will say is this. 
this is a great opportunity for Baker. Not tonight so much as the next month. Tonight is a really rough spot because he did just get there and that team's not that good all of it. But I don't think there's going to be some big bidding war for Baker Mayfield. And if he can conduct himself well, either on the field or simply in the locker room, at practice, in the meetings with the Rams, I think he could go into next year as the backup quarterback for Matt Stafford. And because of the weird uncertainty surrounding Stafford's injury future, I would say backup quarterback for the Rams is one of the backup quarterbacks that next year is most likely to get on the field somewhat. And we have seen what Sean McVay was able to do with a physically limited number one pick, Jared Goff, who didn't go well for Goff before McVay. And I would say this is even this is about as good of a spot as Baker could be in if he's going to be able to re-take control of his football career. So in that regard, I'm happy for Baker. I would not, if I were Baker, want to be thrown out on the field tonight. It seems like an impossible spot two days after being claimed. But could he be the backup for the Rams next season on a low salary, try to reinvent himself, maybe get in a few games, play well, well enough to where someone gives him the Marcus Mariota shot of, okay, you can be our bridge quarterback, start for a year, see what's what. Yeah, I could see that happening. So I think that this is far better for Baker than if he stayed in Carolina and was just the backup there. When they're about to have a total regime change, they're going to draft a quarterback, all of that. I think there's a good spot for him. All right, uh, 70% of the audience says Baker cannot resurrect his career in Los Angeles. All right, next. By the way, Mariota just got benched. Right, I understand. The, so Des, that just happened this morning, I guess. Just, yeah. just broke. So Desmond just Ritter's right. in. So, but Mariota got more than a fair chance. He got, you know, three quarters of the year as the starter. And now they're going with Desmond Ritter, who they drafted. That what Baker's best hope would be that he gets to start somewhere again eventually, even though he would not be their long term starter and then play well enough that that team or another team either decides to invest in him as the long term starter. All right, next. All right, the greatest quarterback of all time is facing Brock Purdy this Sunday. Yep. And Brock Purdy is favored. On Monday Night Football, Tom Brady needed a last-minute miracle to beat the Saints. Mm-hmm. Now, in a short week, he's flying across the country to face the best defense in football in the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Everyone has been waiting waiting on the Bucks to turn it around. Is this finally the game that they turn it around? No, absolutely not. I mean, no, I think that they're going to struggle to score 13 points in this game. I I understand why the Niners are favored. The Niners have the best defense in football. The Niners have some of the best skill position guys in football. The Niners are an excellent, excellent team. Excellent enough that you can have a guy making a seventh-round pick, making his first career start, and he is a favorite against the greatest quarterback of all time. I, I, Both of these things can be true. The Bucs are never really going to turn it on this regular season, and... The Bucs are a scary team come post come the postseason. And, and that is true because what when the postseason gets here, the what the Bucs will have is the most experienced quarterback ever, who still has an uncanny ability 
even if he has been terrible for three and a half quarters, to be great down the stretch in a close spot and a very, very good defense. Those are some, now they don't, I don't think they have a great coach. They obviously don't have a running game. They have a lot of limitations, but those are two amazing cogs to have if you're trying to be a scary playoff team. Does that mean that I think they have a real shot of going to San Francisco and winning this game? Absolutely not. And so I like San Francisco in this spot a lot. I like San Francisco laying the points just because I don't think Tampa's going to be able to break 14. So if the if if I'm yeah, if Tampa can't break 14 and you're laying three and a half of San Francisco, can you get to 17? Can you get to 20? That's enough to cover. But I still think Tampa is a team that is, let me put it like this. Minnesota's going to win their division. Tampa's going to win theirs. I believe if you are a wild card team in the NFC, you would rather be going to Minnesota than going to Tampa because of the difference between the fear the Bucs can instill in you versus what the Vikings, even at 10 and 2, they can instill in you. All right, next. Fair enough. All right. In the final five minutes of Tuesday's Nuggets-Mavs game, mm-hmm. Luka missed three shots, mm-hmm. had two turnovers, and one assist down the stretch. Okay. I hate to say it, but I promise his brotherly love, mm-hmm. the Mavs were lucky to sneak away that one-point win. Yeah. Last year, Luka dragged the Mavs to the, the Western Conference Finals pretty much by himself. Mm-hmm. This year, the West seems very much so loaded, and Golden State hasn't even gotten going yet. Yeah. Are you worried that your son is not going to be able to keep the pace up without some help this year? All right, listen. The, Luke has been sensational. Yeah. The, the, the Nuggets game, they won and he had a triple-double, and I thought it was one of his worst games of the year. Let it be known that he doesn't have any room to be anything other than sensational. Well, that's correct. And that, listen, the Mavs have struggled to build the team around him. Obviously, they lost Brunson. They made the choice not to, you know, overpay for Brunson. But that has cost them. The fact that the team has not been the offensive juggernaut that I thought it would have cost them. And Luke, I mean, Luke is averaging 33, 9, and 9. He's 33, 9, and 9. And if they had lost that Nuggets game, they would be right at 500. So all of that is, of course, concerning to me. Where I disagree is about the West this year versus last year. The reason that I can hold out some hope for the Mavs, is A, I do think they'll make a move before the deadline to supplement the roster somewhat. But B, right now the one seed in the West is the Pelicans. Pelicans, I love Zion. It's a good roster, really good roster, one through nine, deep team, CJ, Ingram, Herb Jones, Alvarado, like that team. But that team doesn't feel unbeatable. Right. Then there's Phoenix. Devin Booker's been awesome. Aiden got paid and has played well. Just got destroyed by the boys. Right. Oh, yeah, by the Celtics. Are we talking the Celtics anywhere in today's show? We should. And I mean, so it's not there, but it should. The It's not even later in the show? Wow. All right, you know what? We'll spend a moment on the Celtics here in a second. Uh, guys, man. They, I mean, they've been great. great. Tatum and Brown have been unbelievable. They've been great. I still like Milwaukee more than them in the East. And what did you think? By the way, we'll, I'll finish the Luka thing in a second. Let's just, because the Celtics played last night, they're your team, and you saw them Sunday in person. What are your thoughts on them right now, having seen them in person on Sunday? I think that they're going to win the finals this year. You think they're going to win the title? Yeah. I think that um, 
I just don't think that they have the same that they're an actual team. Um, I just don't, and I feel like with their experience from last year, making it all the way to the finals and having as good as a of a performance that they had up until that point, I just think that I, I think that everything's fixed. So here's the thing: there was a concern for some that Tatum, because Tatum was bad in the finals. Exactly, and I feel like you think he's gonna if he comes out next year. There are two possibilities: I think he could be really bad from what what happened to him in the finals, or he could capitalize on it. And he's capitalized on it. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. The concern was the that making the finals would actually set him back right. because he was bad in those finals right. and that there would be real baggage from it and it would hurt him. Instead, the opposite happened, and he has been, to me, he's the first or second leading MVP candidate so yeah. far this year. The, he's responded. Uh, he, he, he always absolutely responded. Him, Giannis, and Booker are the top three MVP candidates because they have combined great numbers and team success. Right. The next MVP candidates are guys who have unbelievable numbers, but the teams have underachieved. Luca, uh, Steph, and KD. Right. So to me, to me, it would go Giannis, Tatum, and Booker at the top. Then the next group, Steph, Luca, KD. They're, they are all having career seasons. Right. But the teams are about 500. And then there's another drop, and that next group wouldn't be Jokic, would be Donovan Mitchell, would be Anthony Davis. Yeah. Uh, it, the team has been bad, but I just want to include his name, Shea, yeah. SGA. Yeah. And, and the, that's that next group of guys. But Tatum has been sensational. Luka, to me, has been better to get back to Luka than Tatum. But the team's 500 and the Celtics are awesome. Right. And so that's got to incorporate it. Where the, so the, where the Celtics should be excited is they're doing all this with the defense kind of being about average. Right. The defense should probably get better. Now the offense will regress a bit. Right now they have the best offense in NBA history. That's not going to maintain. I predicted going into the year Dallas would finish the year with the best offense in NBA history. That has not happened. And so, but to get back to what I was saying about the West, you mentioned, because we got all on tangent, because I mentioned the Suns lost to right. the Celtics. Chris Paul is not the same guy anymore. Yeah. So that's concerning if you're Phoenix. Then there's Memphis, which is dealing with a lot of injuries, winning despite that. And then there's Denver. And then after that, it's Sacramento, who's going to, I think, take, you know, regress. Did you mention Golden State? I'm just going through the standings. We're not there yet. Oh. Yeah. I'm, I'm literally just <laughs> going through the standings. Utah, which beat Golden State last night. And it's 15 and 12, and credit to them. I think they'll fall off. Then there's Dallas, Portland, Clippers, Warriors, uh, and the Timberwolves all around the same record. And then lurking is the Lakers, but, you know, AD's sick and LeBron's hurt, so they've now lost back-to-back. Here's why I remain somewhat optimistic about Dallas. Like the team to beat in that whole thing is still the Warriors, and I feel like you don't even know if they're ever going to turn it on. Well, that's how I feel about right. it. Right. That's the thing. There is no juggernaut. Right. The Clippers, Kawhi is a shell of himself when he plays. Right. The Lakers are going to have to scratch and claw just to get in the postseason. Right. And they're going to need Anthony Davis to stay at this level. If he stays at this level, if they make the trade I've been proposing, which is not a rust trade anymore, it's Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn for a shooter with a draft pick attached. Boyan Bogdanovich is the one I've said on TV for the last week. 
He's on Detroit. Detroit's not going anywhere. That's an interesting one. But if you're Dallas, the one thing you feel like is, man, if we're in a playoff series against New Orleans, yeah, New Orleans has the better team. But it's not just that we have the best player in the series. We have the best player in the series by a wide margin. Like, you play the Warriors, I think you have the best player in the series, but it's very close. Luke and Steph's very close, right? Right. But you play Memphis. Ja's awesome. I think Luke is a lot better than There's just And so the West, to me, is in a weird spot this year where it's really wide open, which brings us to the Lakers. Go ahead. After a horrific 2-10 and ten start, the Lakers have turned it around. Granted, they lost last night, but LeBron and Davis both sat out. I think somebody else sat out. Uh, yeah, Patrick Beverly. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Uh, now they're 10 and 14. They're still in the 13 seed, but they're alive. Yep. Anthony Davis is looking like an elite player again, and Russ has been excellent coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. But if you look at their schedule, it's been a cakewalk, including three games versus the Spurs. Mm-hmm. Have the Lakers actually turned it around, or do they need to start playing some real teams? Oh, no. Listen, that game against Milwaukee, I mean, they played Milwaukee, and AD went blow for blow with Giannis, and they won. Yeah. And. Yes, they were lucky with an easy early schedule. They weren't really able to take full advantage of it, by the way. Uh, but they've clearly turned a corner for two obvious reasons. Well, I guess three obvious reasons. From least important to most important. Least important is LeBron stopped being the worst three-point shooter in the league. That was helpful. As I told you guys, eventually he'd catch fire right. and settle into being a slightly above-average three-point shooter as he's been basically his whole career. That's where he's at now. So that's the first reason, the least. The second reason, Russ has been awesome. But he, awesome given where he was. Right. He's accepted the role coming off the bench. He's been really good in that role. He's not shooting an abundance of threes. He's playing Russ basketball. He's taking advantage of the fact that they're not guarding him on the three-point line, which allows him to see easy passing lanes in a way. So he's been a totally different guy, and it looks like he's happy again right. for the first time yeah. in a year, which is fun because it was sad seeing Russ, like, miserable. Yeah. Uh, And then lastly, and most importantly by a mile, Anthony Davis is playing his ass off. Anthony Davis is stopped. He is right now averaging a career high in points, in rebounds, in field goal percentage, in two-point two field goal percentage, and he's shooting the fewest threes he's shot in nearly a decade. He's doing everything around the rim. And he's doing it while being, I believe, with respect to Giannis, the best defensive player in the whole league so far this year. That got the thing for the Lakers is this. They still have a flawed roster. They still don't have enough shooting. And Patrick Beverly, every minute he's on the court, he hurts you. But, so let's just say LeBron is the 12th best player in the league. Okay. Let's drop him all the way down to there. If AD continues anything like this, he's firmly in the top 12, right. probably in the top seven. What teams in the league have two top 12 guys? The answer is nobody else. The closest would be the Celtics. Right. And Tatum is, I'm sorry, Brown is probably like 50. Uh, yeah, it's somewhere right now he's playing like around 15th. I think he's probably right. closer to probably 25th, but let's call him 20th. You know what I mean? Now, the Celtics have a far better overall roster. I'm not comparing the Lakers and the Celtics, but everyone who are the 
Who are the best guys in the league? Giannis. Giannis doesn't have a teammate that's in the top 15. Drew Holiday's the closest. Luca. Luca doesn't have a teammate that's in the top 50. You, you know what I mean? Flatly doesn't. Durant. Durant doesn't have a teammate. Wait, that, there it is. Kyrie's not a top 12 guy. Give me a break. <laughs> Give me a break. It, the Kyrie is, you know, Kyrie. I don't want to have a Kyrie debate right now. <laughs> it's what it was supposed to be, but it's he's not that. Steph. Steph doesn't have a teammate that's in the top 25 anymore, right? Yeah. We agree on that. Uh, there's one more obvious top five guy Deep. that I'm that I hold on. I said so. There's Giannis, Luca, Steph, KD. Oh, Tatum. Pardon me. Tatum right now is one of the top five guy. Closest is Brown. So set them aside. After them, we'll call Anthony Davis there. Jokic. Jokic. Sure. Jokic doesn't have a guy that's in the top 25. Then in B, Harden, we'll see. You know what I mean? Like, we'll see. He's, he's right around there. But that's yeah. the next duo. And now we're at guys like Dane and SGA. You, again, I don't think SGA is actually a top 10 guy, but right. you've got a Devin Booker. They're the best I left out Devin Booker. I forgot. And they're De- not. Right. Devin Booker doesn't have a guy that's top 20 guy. Right. So there's, so that is where the, what? What no. was it look? Okay. Th- that is where the Lakers could have an edge is if LeBron has to be your second best guy. Now you're doing something. Yeah. Because is LeBron still what he once was? No. Is LeBron, how about this for you? Right now, there are three players in the league that are top 25 points, rebounds, and assists. Luka, Jokic, LeBron. Right now, there are five guys in the league that are top 15 points and assists. Oh, and I left out Ja when we were doing our list. But Ja, again, doesn't have a top 25 teammate. Top 25, or the top 15 points and assists. Trey. Okay, whatever. I'm not Trey's having some struggles this year with his team and his coaching. Shocking. Once again, <laughs> I said on TV the other day, I'll say it again. There's a whole lot of Trey Young is to the NBA what Kyler Murray is to the NFL. And it's not just because they both went to Oklahoma and they're undersized, but neither here nor there. Trey, Ja, Steph, Luca, LeBron are the five guys that are top 15 points and assists per game. So there is an element of, LeBron being a victim of his own greatness that because he is clearly no longer one of the three or four best players in the league, people, I think, fail to acknowledge that, yeah, but he's still an all-NBA level guy, that if that's your second best player, now you could be working with something. Now, and I no longer necessarily want them to trade Russ. Like, you've got to get something really good back for him. If you're going to attach stuff and trade Russ, but it'd be amazing to see Russ go to the finals, man. It would be, it would be thrilling. Like see him in the playoffs again, but with a decent team. Correct. But so what I think they need to do is they don't have a lot of moves they can make. LeBron's literally not tradable. They're not going to trade Anthony Davis. And I'm saying the Russ thing, let's say they want to keep him. The only other guys they have on the team that are making any money are none who's been useless, Lonnie Walker, who's actually been good, and Beverly, who's been awful. So if you package Nunn and Beverly, both on expiring deals, plus one of those draft picks, 
Could you get Terry Rozier from Charlotte? Probably. Could you get the guy I want them to get, Boyan Bogdanovich from Detroit? Almost assuredly. If, if all of a sudden it goes really south in Portland, could you get Jeremy Grant, who would be awesome for this team? Maybe. So those are the trades the Lakers need to be looking at, and then we'll see. You know, I mean, right now you're right. They are the 13 seed, but they are also three games out of being the six seed. Right. So, it, listen, AD going out with that illness against Cleveland hurt them, and then neither AD nor LeBron being able to play against Toronto. They don't have a big margin for error, right. but they now actually have a path forward that makes it somewhat interesting. One other thing about Anthony Davis going out with the illness thing, and then we'll move on as we're 10 minutes over, as we always are. My apologies. So AD went out having scored zero points. Uh, so, you know, the for forever the all-time record holder for consecutive games and double-digit points was Jordan at 800-something, okay? Third most ever was Kareem, I think, at 575 or something. LeBron has an active streak of 1,113 games scoring at least 10 points. And that streak was kept alive, actually, oddly enough, two years ago when they were playing the Hawks and Solomon Hill fell into his ankle. LeBron ended up missing a month with that ankle injury. He had seven points when Solomon Hill fell into his ankle. They took an injury timeout. LeBron stayed in the game. For one possession, hit a corner three, got to 10 points, and then was out for six weeks. <laughs> Kept the streak alive. That streak, nobody cares about this type of LeBron stuff but me, but it is noteworthy. His streak is 1,113 games. What do you think the second longest streak, current streak, second longest all-time is Jordan at 800-something. Active streak. How many games do you think it is, and who do you think has it? First, tell me who you think has it. Is it AD? No, well, AD's down to zero now. Oh, he yeah. just he came just out. No, no, no. He just went out. Who Who do you think active. has active? So it, it, they get 10 points every game, no matter what. And you also got to keep in mind, can't go out with an injury or an illness like early first quarter of any right. of these games. You're allowed to sit out games, obviously, right. but it's not Cal Ripken. Do you have a guess on Steph? who? It's not Steph. Steph had his snapped. I forgot why, but he's had a few stinkers where it's not even because of injury. All right, so I'll tell you the answer, the name. Do you want to give another guess? Is it, it's, uh, guess. Giannis. No, right. Giannis amazingly not. All right, so Luca. Oh, okay. Luca. But I guess see. how many games it is. LeBron's is 1,113. What, since he's been in the league? Give me a number. Luca. <laughs> right. Luca's streak is 180 games. So if we're in context for that, if Luca played all 82 games for the next 11 years, 11 straight seasons of playing all 82, scoring 10 or more in every single one of those games, he still would not be at LeBron's record. And LeBron's just adding to it. That's one of the many records. LeBron James who I don't know if you've heard, but is the greatest player of the last 50 years and the greatest player of all time. There's a nice one-hour and 15-minute YouTube video you can watch on this very page about that. One of the many unbreakable LeBron James records. We'll be right back talking Brittany Griner. Griner. 
Are you ready to take control of your health and conquer your weight loss goals? Look no further than Factor, your ultimate solution to better eating. Each Factor meal is always fresh, chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. No more waiting around or spending hours in the kitchen. Just heat and eat. It's that simple. Over 35 different options to choose from each week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor ensures you'll never get bored. With more than 60 add-ons to help you stay full and feeling good all day long. Pancakes, smoothies, and more. With Factor, there's no prepping, no cooking, and certainly no cleanup needed. The best part? You can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Sign up and save because we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Eat better, feel better, and conquer your day with Factor. So what are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash nickwright50 and use code nickwright50 to get 50% off. That's code nickwright50 at factormeals.com slash nickwright50 to get 50% off. Fuel up. Eat better and achieve greatness. Get started today. All right, welcome back in episode 104. What's right with Nick Wright? I'm going to talk about Brittany Griner here for a moment. And I got to say, I am, I'm going to do my best to be professional here and to not exude the disgust and the anger that I feel. But it's, you know, it, it's going to be hard. So, Brittany Griner was released from a Russian penal colony this morning. Uh, It was a prisoner exchange for Victor Bout, who's been in American prison for the better part of 15 years. Uh, If you guys ever saw the movie Lord of War, the Nick Cage movie, that character was based on Victor Bout, a Russian arms dealer. He had about seven years left on his sentence. They were traded. Brittany Griner, of course, allegedly had a vape pen with her at an airport in Russia and was sentenced to nearly a decade in prison and served nearly a year total, including the last bit of it at a penal colony as a political pawn. And Brittany's on her way home. And even in our just crippled by partisanship and hatred and 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 every ism there is society i thought maybe for one goddamn morning it could be something hey that's good this american citizen who also happens to be uh an important american i understand we're all important but britney gray there britney griner is a decorated, celebrated athlete and noteworthy American citizen, which makes her unjust detention by a hostile foreign power should be all the more galling to us, particularly because what she's accused of, even in Russia, that amount of uh, hash oil, as they called it, is typically not treated nearly this harshly. 
But of course it can't be. Of course, the whataboutism has to start immediately. So there's another American who has been imprisoned in Russia for four years named Paul Whelan. He's a former Marine who was over in Russia. He says for a wedding. And the Russian government says he was spying and they got him. And he's been locked up. And the Trump administration tried to get him out and has been unsuccessful. And the Biden administration tried to get him out and has been unsuccessful. And Paul Whelan, aside from for his friends and family, has not been the subject of any major American discourse, far I can tell, for quite some time. Except when it came to a chance to say, hey, why is she getting out and he's not getting out? Now, Paul Whelan's family came out today and said they are absolutely happy that Brittany Griner got released. And President Biden came out today and said this was not an either or. We tried to get them both. Russia said no. And this was not a pick one, Paul or Brittany. And we pick Brittany. But President Biden said they're not. They are. They are right now not negotiating about Paul Whelan's release. Ostensibly, one would think is because Russia says what he did is far worse than what Brittany did. They're accusing him of spying, accuse her of having like less than a gram of hash oil. Regardless, I'm not going to take the Russian government's word for what Paul Whelan did or didn't do because. I am not so choked by my own either partisanship or, I'll just say it, obvious transparent racism that I'm going to do what so many alleged red-blooded Americans did with Griner, which was, A, take the Russian government's word for it that she even had the drugs. B, pretend that they are experts on the Russian judicial system and act like it was a trump card when she pled guilty to having the drugs, when the actual experts on the Russian judicial system tell us the only chance she had at mitigating her sentence whatsoever was pleading guilty. There was no plead not guilty and prove your innocence. That wasn't going to happen. Now, I'm not going to act like I've studied that, but because... I'm one of these dopes that trusts experts. I'll take their word on it. But also, I want to make this very clear. I think it's absolutely in play that Brittany did have that bait pin on her, forgot she had it on her, or had traveled with it before. It had never been a problem. Got caught up in the midst of when Russia was getting ready to invade Ukraine. Bad, Whatever it is, everyone should be in agreement that the mistake of having a tiny amount of personal use marijuana, essentially, should not mean a decade of hard labor in a Russian penal colony. We all would be in agreement on it. But because some people cannot get past the fact either because of their hatred for black people, gay people, women, or Democrats, of which she's all for, that they wanted her to 
and stay over there. And now they're pretending that their actual concern is for Paul Whelan, who the vast majority of these people do not give a about, except for to use him as a cudgel to attack either Griner or the president or whatever. And I apologize for cursing. We try not to curse like that, uh, except for when Demonze reads the wrong line off the script when we're live on YouTube. But I, it, it's we are broken that we can't all collectively say, man, thank goodness she's getting home. And the and, and by the way, it is not lost on me, the irony of so many of the people who are claiming that they really cared about Victor Bout, <laughs> the Russian arms dealer, his sentence, when the politics of so many of those people who best I can tell, don't think it should be illegal for anyone to sell guns to anyone in America ever. That, 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 more, the more guns, the more assault rifles, the more weapons of war, the better. I, I, <laughs> I, I did not tweet much or talk much about the Griner situation ever. I thought other people had it handled. Also, I was not as convinced as some that it was a full-on setup. I thought it was, to be totally candid, absolutely in play, that she forgot she had that on her, or she'd been playing in Russia for years, it had never been a problem, and did it, and wasn't thinking about the context of, wait, there's a war about to start, and I could be used, or whatever. I also thought it was in play they planted it on, any of those things. But I wasn't going to get loud and and strong about how this whole that she had made no mistake whatsoever. Because I thought it was in play that, and I still think it's in play, that she screwed up. Okay. But I also thought whether we should or we shouldn't, we in this country for 80 years have been taught literally in school. Not to trust the Russians. Maybe that's unfair. Maybe it's jingoistic. But that seemed to be something that Democrats, Republicans, white, black, everybody agreed. Ah, oh, scary Russians. Certainly don't trust Putin's government. And I thought we all agreed that American citizens held in foreign prisons, unless it's like, well, they were on vacation and murdered somebody. And then it's like, eh. Shouldn't have done that. Yeah, I guess you stay there. But for petty crimes, we want them back home. But all of a sudden, you're a prominent black lesbian, and we're and all these experts, all these folks that it's amazing. They have mediocre jobs and mediocre lives and mediocre success, all while being able to simultaneously be. Uh, infectious disease experts and, and then immediately become international uh, hostage negotiation experts. You, you, you'd think they'd have put all that knowledge to better use. 
Let's do a FIFA forecast. How'd I do, Demonte, on not showing my anger and <sighs> stuff? There? I don't think so well. The, the six. Oh, okay, thanks. I appreciate that. All right, go ahead. All right, FIFA forecast time. Start clock here. Quarterfinals begin tomorrow with matches between Carolina and Brazil and the Netherlands versus Argentina. On the other side, we have England versus France and Morocco versus Portugal. We'll get to we'll get to Ronaldo in a second, obviously. What will be the most exciting matchup in the semis in the, and in the finals? And whose legacy would a World Cup win help the most between Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, or Mbappe? Oh, man. Okay. This is so, this is all so fascinating. <laughs> what are you laughing about? No, nah, it was just funny. I mean, how ready you are for it and how fast. I, I'm, I'm, let me hear it. Okay. My so, answer is in Bape, though. Okay. Do you want to give a why or it's just your answer? I've got the why in my head, but I just need to think of a better way to, need to think of the way. Okay. To put it in Take your terms. time, buddy. No problem. <laughs> So, obviously, on one side of the bracket, the best semifinal is Argentina-Brazil. There's no question there. All South American final, two of the countries with the greatest soccer history of all of them. I mean, Brazil has the best. Probably Germany is the second best as far as success of the World Cup. If you include West Germany into Germany, which you do, Germany's out. But Argentina has had massive success, especially for a country of its population. Uh and the and so I shouldn't say that of its population, but it's just kind of the little brother to Brazil. Argentina, Brazil is the ideal left side of the bracket semifinal. I personally would like to see France, Portugal on the right side, but Morocco, it's be the biggest underdog story in you know World Cup history. They're already one of the biggest underdog stories in World Cup history, so it's great. So what I am rooting for as far as you know, my final pick, my pick was for the semifinal was France versus Spain and Argentina versus Brazil. So Spain gone, thanks to loss to Morocco. Uh, and so I, but I would really like, so I would like to see France versus Brazil. So I'd like seeing both advance. To me, they're the two best. All right. Legacy is interesting. Because I'm not sure how much this is going to help. We got to see what happens with Ronaldo. Ronaldo got benched. And I know we're going to talk more about this later. He got benched. His replacement got a hat trick. So that's a tough one. Like, if Portugal wins and he's awesome, that's one thing. But if he's like a sub, and who knows what's going to happen. Messi, it would give him a very legitimate claim to the greatest player ever. Some people think he already has that. I think it's very, very difficult to argue any one of them. Pele is the greatest player ever. Uh, I mean, Pele went to the World Cup at 17 and won the damn thing and then won it again. I mean, what Pele, Pele won three, but he was injured during one of them. Then the, he won at 17. They went back, won again, but they injured him. They went back when he was, uh, or maybe he was 18, when he was 26, and they just fouled him so many times and knocked Brazil out that he was like, I'm never coming back to the World Cup again. Then came back at 30 and won it again. I mean, Pele was unbelievable in that regard. Messi's been to a final and lost. If they then if he wins it in his World Cup swan song, it'd be something else. Neymar, to me, has the least to gain of these guys. Because then there's Mbappe. He's and the youngest one, right? The youngest one by far. 
France won last year. I'm I'm grabbing my computer for a moment just so I can give you, you know, the in, what Mbappe, what it would look like for him up to this point, because he already is tying some of Pele's World Cup records. In 2018, he was on the French team that won the whole thing, becoming the second teenager after Pele to score in the World Cup final. He had four goals in the tournament to win the Best Young Player Award, another award Pele won. And now he, much like Pele, could win another World Cup his next time out. I think he is almost universally accepted right now as the best player in the world. He's only 23. That team to win without Benzema, who's out injured, they won last time without Benzema because Benzema might have blackmailed a teammate. This <laughs> international soccer is kind of wild. Um, <laughs> it's It'd be something else, man. And so... On the inter- in the international career for France's national team, he has a goal every other match, 33 goals in 63 matches. The World Cup, I mean, what he did in the quarters with, I'm sorry, in the round of 16 with those two goals. So right now the answer is messy. But long-term, the answer might be Mbappe because maybe he's building a GOAT resume. All right. Does that fit? Do you want to add anything to that? No. You're good. You're good with it. Yeah. All right. Next. Hit it on the nail. Yeah, thanks. Hit it on the head. Thanks. Uh, all right. We got a game. What's the game? It's all write-ins. We haven't done this one. Oh, look at that picture. Look at you. I didn't see it. Oh, I didn't see it. Sorry, Demonte was grabbing this stuff. You you look like a kind of nerdy teacher. I like that look for you. Um. Okay. Write-ins. So what are we doing here? Why are you? Oh, this is our eraser. Demonte got his toilet paper as our eraser. That's hey, great. The eraser. Okay. The erasers are at the house if you have toilet paper. Go ahead. Uh, busy busy week for one of our one of the soccer goats. Uh-huh. Here's your marker. Oh, no, I have a marker. marker. Yeah. Ronaldo was outshined by his replacement and then benched. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, he was offered a massive $200-plus million deal to play in Saudi Arabia for the next two years. Mm-hmm. If, you were Christian, if you were Christian Otto Ronaldo, you would feel... Okay, my answer is if I were Cristiano Ronaldo, I would feel conflicted because winning the World Cup, and we, you can erase with this, winning the World Cup would be, you know, the final cap on a career that has a bunch of balloon doors, all the money, everything, and then you go to Saudi Arabia, make, you know, a quarter of a billion dollars for two years' work, but also conflicted because. Them winning 5-1 without you is not the greatest situation in the world. It's like the fact that our most viewed show ever is still the one with your mom and not with you. It's kind of <laughs> like, you know, a, a bittersweet for you. What did you write? Put it like Nick Wright, actually. What does that Very mean? Very ironically, given what you just said. Why? What's like Nick Wright? I just feel like Nick Wright. How? Why? It's being outshined by my replacement. Who's re- my replacement? It's me. Oh, okay. Well done. We had the same joke. All right, erase that. Read the next question. All right, the next one is a huge blow to Buffalo. Von Miller is done with for the season after undergoing ACL surgery. 
as the world's foremost as the world's foremost Josh Allen hater, you've called Von Miller's t- uh, you've called Von Miller the best player on the team. Yeah. Don't say the Chiefs. The main reason the Bills won't win the Super Bowl is Okay, that's easy. I mean, the I don't understand why folks want to keep pretending this is not true. The main reason the Bills won't win the Super Bowl is they're not good enough. They're fine. And I understand right oh Nick uh, oh, Demonze wrote Josh Allen's elbow. So here's the thing. Uh, Josh Allen's elbow is not, but again, injuries happen in the NFL. And Josh Allen's dealing with an elbow and Von Miller's done for the year. And yet folks still want to pretend, oh, they'll be fine. No, they won't. Their best defensive player's done for the year. Their best offensive player has a banged up elbow and hasn't been great since he got the banged up elbow. I just, the, the inability for folks to acknowledge that this team is not quite what folks pretended it was at the beginning of the year. Oh, Nick, but they're the one seed right now. Do you know who the one seed was at this very moment last season? The New England Patriots were the one seed in the AFC after week 13. Though being the one seed after week 13 guarantees you nothing. And in order for them to stay the one seed, they got to go undefeated because the Chiefs are not losing again. So I... the. Yeah, there's plenty of reasons that they're not going to win the Super Bowl. But most notably, they're not quite good enough. Next. All right. uh, The Titans were witness. The the Titans were witness to an all-time revenge game for their former star wide receiver, A.J. Brown, Sunday. The next day, the Titans fired their GM, who was responsible for trading him. Reminder, the Titans are 7-5 and and leading their division. I would describe the Titans firing John Robinson as. All right. Listen, I. It is wild. They've never had a losing season since hiring him. They've been the one seed. They've won the division. They're 7-5 and five right now, and they fire their GM. The Titans firing John Robinson was impulsive. What did you say? Shady and petty. Shady and petty, says DeMonte. So I say impulsive because I really do think it was that Vrabel never wanted to trade A.J. Brown. John Robinson traded him. The passing offense has obviously struggled. And then A.J. Brown baptizes them for three hours on Sunday. And Vrabel, you know what? I maybe should. I'm also going to revise my answer to the Titans firing John Robinson is a power grab. Because I think it's Vrabel taking full control over the organization. Okay. I think it's Vrabel trying to do what his coach Belichick did, which is all just run everything. So that's what I think. All right, last one. All right, Tuesday night, the GOAT of of Cleveland went back to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Joey Chestnut, during the Cavs' halftime against LeBron and Lakers, Joey Jaws stole the show. A three-man team combined to consume 33 pierogies. 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 Mm-hmm. While Chestnut dra- down 47 alone. Chestnut will be favored by how many pierogies? Pierogies. Pierogies. In an eating contest versus Nick and Demonze. All right, if you what gave, the heck is a pierogi, dude? You know, I got to be honest with you. Oh, look! How about that? Potato. It's a Polish dumpling, potato filled. Oh dang, dude! If that had like some type of. I got to be honest. I didn't know what a pierogi was. I knew how to pronounce it, but I didn't know what it was. It's like a mimosa or like a, a um, gyoza. Yeah, not a not mimosa. mimosa. But it's uh, almost Friday, man. Yeah, <laughs> it looked like a gyoza. That that's correct. It, yeah, it looks like it's a dumpling. Uh, if he can eat 47, he'd be favored by, I'm going to say 34 and a half. 
is my answer. 34 and a half. Yeah, I think you and I could eat 12. I'd what? favor him by eight. By eight? Did yeah. you not read the thing you eight, just read? 47. Three guys combined to eat 33. So you think you're eating 40? I don't think so. I also, to be honest with you, our producers are way more interested in Joey Chestnut content than I am. <laughs> they keep putting it just because really like Joey Chestnut. Just because that one day I gave that amazing uh, Nick Wright public was defender the public, yeah. of him being the greatest athlete ever. Again, that was my charge. <laughs> I don't actually like Joey Chestnut content, guys. I just am a, such a great broadcaster and impromptu arguer that I was able to make a case for him. But I'm not interested in talking about Joey Chestnut, guys. Just an FYI. We answer your questions in the chat, and we wrap up Book Club next. What's right? This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp because your mental well-being matters. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of that. Unlock the power of therapy with BetterHelp and witness the transformative benefits it brings to your life. From gaining valuable insights into your thought patterns to building resilience in the face of challenges. Therapy empowers you to navigate life's twists with confidence. BetterHelp offers a convenient online platform designed to be flexible, fitting seamlessly into your schedule. With a simple questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at no extra cost. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com right to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot right. Your mental health journey begins here. All right, welcome back in. What's right with Nick Wright? And we're wrapping up our first book, book club, E.H. Gombrich's A Little History of the World. So I'm going to be honest with you guys. I did not do a great job on book club because I didn't really, what I realized is the way a book club is supposed to work is it's like a discussion. And we can't really have a multi-person discussion with the viewers about book club each and every week. And we certainly can't even have a two-person discussion about book club because Demonze and my reading paces were slightly different. Now, I'm not putting this on you. I missed a week, and then I caught all up, and it's just not going to work that way. However, I'm not I'm not picking on you, buddy. No, I'm just more so stuck on how did you not know what a book club is, like, and how they do it, dude? I've never been in a book club. No book club one-on-one? Okay, I've never been in a book club. I hadn't thought about it. I just, I know Bamani does one on his podcast. I thought it was cool. I wanted to do it. However, this is the way we're going to wrap up book club, which is why, even if you haven't read this, I encourage you to read it. I'll wrap up this month's book club, and we'll start another book. The reason I love history books is because it just contextualizes everything that's happening around us. So this morning in the Washington Post is this headline, okay? German police arrest 25 people over plot to overthrow the government. And then you read it. German authorities arrested 25 people 
suspected of plotting to use armed forces to storm parliament and violently overthrow the state. Those arrested included a 71-year-old German aristocrat. So I'm like, oh, German aristocrat. Let me read more about him. So then you go to a different Washington Post article. Heinrich VIII, Germany's putsch prince, lamented monarchy's demise. So the head of that story, headline is, he is the scion of a dynasty that once ruled over a region of central Germany, lives in one of Frankfurt's most expensive neighborhoods, and drives an Audi with a personalized license plate. The bespectacled, gray-haired aristocrat, Heinrich VIII, Prince of Rus, cuts an unusual figure for the head of what German authorities describe as a terrorist organization. So they didn't tell the whole story about him, but the story, the, the, what they wanted to do was reinstate the German mar- monarchy. But here is an interesting paragraph from the Washington Post story today. Born in 1951, Heinrich was one of six children of Heinrich I and Wazola Fedora, prince and princess of Rus. His four brothers, this is a fascinating one, his four brothers were also named Heinrich, like every other male in the family, under the dynasty's unusual naming traditions that are in tribute to Holy Roman Emperor Henry VI. So you might hear that and say, wait, why? Did they care about the Holy Roman Emperor if they were a Russian or a German family? To which I will take you to the chapter 24 in our book, Emperors in the Age of Chivalry, which explains to us how the popes around 800 years ago would often name the king of Germany, that holy Roman emperor, and explains how that one of the reasons people wanted to be in charge of Germany so much was they would then travel to Rome to see the pope, where the pope would call them essentially the defender of all of Christendom, as they called it, and the head of the Holy Roman Emperor, or the head of the or the head of the Roman Empire, and the Holy Roman Empire. And there was also consistently a power struggle between different popes and different rulers of Germany to kind of debate, and this is in the 1100s and the 1200s, who the actual top dog was and one of the popes once upon a time pope innocent the third excommunicated the king uh gregory the seventh and made it to where none of the priests in germany could give him communion until he came to see the pope and ask for his forgiveness i don't which by the way i'm just going to read you one passage then we'll move on from book club One day, King John refused to carry out the Pope's orders. He excommunicated him, forbade any priests to celebrate Mass in all of England. The English nobility became so angry with their king, they took away almost all his power. In 1215, he had to solemnly swear that he would never again oppose their will. This was the famous Magna Carta, the great charter to which King John, I might have said Germany earlier when I meant England, 
but this applied this, this is about the English king. King John put a seal, which he granted his barons a whole host of rights which English citizens hold to this day. But England still had to pay tax and tribute to Pope Innocent the Third. So great was his power. I understand a lot of this is not that interesting for a lot of people. I find the whole thing wildly fascinating. And I find it incredibly fascinating that there was a period of time where if you became the leader of Germany, the Pope then appointed you the defender, the Holy Roman Emperor. Learn that in this book, A Little History of the World. I recommend it for everyone. I might have mangled a bit of that. My apologies. Ever, that's why everyone should read the book. What's up, Michael? All right, so I've got a little takeaways, a couple of sure. notes from the book. Uh, towards, towards the end of the book, uh, Gombrich starts inserting himself and his family mm-hmm. and, and history a bit more. Yeah. Uh, noting how they lived through the big moments as the, and the chapters got a little bit more personal. Mm-hmm. So I thought about, like, you and Gombrich, a little compare and contrast. Okay. Is this what ultimately led... <laughs> To your NBA top 50 players list of the last 50 years, you wanting to tell history through your eyes, you know? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I think that is correct. I think that's a good comparison. Good that's job, right. buddy. Thanks, man. Any any other observations? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's one about MLK in there, but we won't get into that one, man. I don't want to. Okay. You don't want to. Okay, that, no problem. All right. You want to read some <laughs> listener questions before we go? Let's do it. A few. Oh, hold on. Hold on. That's so good. Can I expose you for a moment, please? Because I don't know who's feeding you this stuff. Nobody's feeding me anything. What are you talking about? Okay. Is there something about MLK in there, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fascinating. Because this book was written in 1933. And MLK was a young child when that happened. So it would have been a lot of... Was there something in there about MLK or about Martin Luther? No. No. <laughs> the, says, what what does it say, buddy? On your little cheat sheet there. What does it say? Sheet, no, I was that yo, know, first of all. Uh-huh. First yeah. of all, hey, I was never talking about Martin Luther King. Then why'd you say MLK? I just said MLK. Well, Martin Luther didn't have a K. So I don't know what you're referring to. It's like ML, you know. Okay, yeah. All right, let's just move on, pal. It says not MLK. It says <laughs> It says not MLK in your little cheat sheet, <laughs> and you still called him MLK. Yeah, okay, no problem. A note to myself. All right, man. don't worry about it. All right, Demonte, ask people asked about this. All right, uh, yeah, go ahead. AB says that Trentage hoodie is fire. I need one. Oh, you know what? That's perfect. Hold on, Demonte. Still for a moment. Let's do some. Um, dude, this MLK thing is pretty bad. Right now, it's so bad. The owner of the store. Dampo, guess what our first listener question said? The Trentage hoodie is fire. Where can he get one? Demonte's wearing one right now. And so I know you don't sell things online. Could we potentially sell some Trentage hoodies online just for podcast listeners? Is that something we could do? We could definitely do that. All right, so we'll work on that, how you can get Trentage hoodies and how that's going to work. All right, n- next question. Uh, Scott Fraser says, Rit- Ritter. Ritter will make per- Mariota look like Joe Montana. I don't know. I want, I'm excited to see Desmond Ritter, and it's smart for Atlanta to kind of fold their hand on their season and turn the page. All right, last one. Conlon Chastain said, mm-hmm. book club-related question, if you could go back in time to one period of time, what would it be? 
one sports one sports pick and non and one non. Oh, okay. Pick. As far as if I could watch a period of sports that I wasn't able to see, that's a great question. I think I'd love to be alive when boxing was at its peak, like from a sports perspective. Okay. I I really like to see that. As far as go back in time. I feel very, very lucky about when I was born in world history. Every once in a while, like, I think about the fact that, you know, even, like, you know, that the vast majority of people right now eat better than the greatest kings of queens of olden times, <laughs> and I am grateful of that. Uh, and so I don't really want to go back in history. Seems rough. and Same. Yeah, it's, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good answer. Uh, so I'm not really interested. I, I things aren't perfect right now. Far from it. Uh, I mean, if I wanted to go back in history, it would really be like, like maybe to like the '80s. Okay. You know what I mean? Like where we had basically our same rights and and uh and a lot of the same kind of nice you know nice parts of modern life, but not quite as accessible right. as we are now via cell phones and the internet and stuff. But that's it. All right, today's show went long. My apologies. We'll be back on Monday. Check us out on TV today. Good job, everybody. What's right?